Hello and welcome to Switchbacks, a National Parks podcast. In 2015, we quit our jobs to visit all of the U.S. National Parks in one year, and ever since, we have been obsessed with all things National Park Service. This is week 12 of a 62-week tour of virtually revisiting a new national park each week through a podcast episode and in-depth guide on SwitchbackKids.com. We hope you learn something new and get inspired, because the national parks are for everyone. Today we're heading to 1917 and to North America's tallest mountain, called the High One in the native Athabascan language, to Denali National Park. Cole. Elizabeth. Did you know that Glacier is the third largest national park in our system, and glaciers cover about 16% of the park, which is a huge amount. Yeah, sounds like it. Of course, this park is mostly about the mountain and its surrounding area, so it makes sense, but still, that's a lot of glaciers. Yeah, I imagine there's plenty of ice on a mountain that's 20,000 feet tall. Yep. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. Today we are talking about Denali National Park. Yes. First of all, it's most known for uh, its six million acres of wild land, like we referenced. It's nearly the size of Massachusetts. So we're talking state worthy. Um, And it's bisected by only one ribbon of road going through the whole park. And it's also known for, of course, the namesake North America's tallest peak, Denali Mountain, which is 20,310 feet tall. Huge. And it looks looks almost unbelievable when you look at it compared to some other mountains around it. Um, But going back into the history a little bit, we'll go over that briefly. Uh, We know that humans have lived in Denali for at least 11,000 years. Um, However, there are very few archaeological sites within the actual park borders uh, because of the harsh mountain conditions. Um, And in 1906, there was this uh, conservationist named Charles Alexander Sheldon. He first kind of presented the idea of preserving Denali as a national park, which the whole process went through lots of years of like back and forth politics waiting for the right moment to propose the bill to Congress. In 1915, Stephen Mather immediately approved the proposition. And two years later, in 1917, so 11 years after it was first conceived, uh, the bill was signed by Woodrow Wilson, creating Mount McKinley National Park. And also this kind of solidified the name Mount McKinley, which is important. Yeah, and kind of an interesting piece of trivia because McKinley never visited Denali at all, um, but it was one of the first explorers that just really liked President McKinley and named it after him. He should have just named it after himself, or maybe not taken the name in the first place. (laughs) Right. So as you know, since then, it's, uh, well, we'll get to that, actually. Yeah. No, No spoilers. And there's actually no road access to the park entrance until 1957. So it took a while for Denali Highway to open. Um, and yeah, yeah. Which, which gave way to a lot more visitors. 
Um, finally, in 2015, most recently, um, Obama kind of directly or directed the reclaiming of the name Denali uh, for the, for the mountain. So today, it's officially called Denali National Park, and its name was kind of I don't know honored, <laughs> given Re- given back in reclaimed. Reclaimed. Just like you said, okay, Denali I said mountain. it first. <laughs> All right. So, so there's the, there's your history of the park. Yeah, let's get into how to visit the park, the good stuff. Um, when to visit, first of all. There are obviously lots of seasonal considerations anywhere in Alaska. Let's start with summer. It's the most popular, of course, uh, June to August. It's generally 33 to 75 degrees. You get tons of people in July and August especially, and it's also the rainiest months. Arguably the hardest to see the mountain yeah. <laughs> in those rainy months, uh, which, which creates some problems. So um, if you can tough it out a little bit and go in these off-seasons or shoulder seasons, your first option is fall. Late September to late October, the snow starts accumulating, and there are no buses starting in mid-September or so. Um, wildlife is in hyper-eating mode, so you might see it a little more readily. And there is also, because there are no buses, uh, there starts to be a road lottery for your own cars, so you have to get lucky there. What's in winter? Well, in winter, there's tons of stuff to do, but again, it's uh, you're going to battle the really, really cold temperatures. Um, so there's, there's a winter fest, there's uh, lots of photography opportunities. Um, there's a very short se- uh, window of sunlight, uh, but there are a lot of those winter sports, skiing, snowshoeing, that that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, winter weather. We're talking negative forty uh, to a high in the twenties. So, yep. Um, also, your access into the park is much more limited, uh, with uh, only being able to drive to mile three. Of course, from there, maybe you cross country ski or snowshoe, etc. Yeah, and spring is going to present some of those same challenges. No buses. Um, some vehicles might be allowed for certain times of the year um, through mile thirty, which is which is an advantage. Uh, a lot of people bike during this time, which is something that always comes up in these springtime mountain parks. Yeah, because although the road is still like solidifying and it damages it if you go you take your car on it, that's why it's closed past mile 30, you can still bike all the way back, uh, assuming it's not covered in snow. So good option. Yeah. So once you've figured out when to visit, the next step, the next logistical challenge is where to sleep. So you have a lot of choices. There are six park campgrounds um, ranging from miles 0.25 on the park road all the way to mile 85. Um, And those range from $12 to $27, so very affordable. You definitely want to make reservations in advance. Yeah, there's also, if you miss out on the park campgrounds themselves, uh, there are many private campgrounds from 1 to 30 miles right outside the park. And there's also park lodging, uh, actually privately owned inside the park at the very end of uh, the park road um, around, you know, mile 90 to 91 at at the end after Wonder Lake. Um, There are four privately owned remote wilderness lodges in what's called the Kentishna area. 
Yeah, so once you figure out where to sleep, second step in the logistics is deciding where, what parts of the park you're going to visit and how you're going to get there. So if you have a car, um, the park is located about 240 miles north of Anchorage or 120 miles south of Fairbanks. You can also access by train, which is a good option. Um, there's, like we mentioned, there's only one <laughs> unpaved park road that private vehicles are only allowed to go to mile 15 in the summer. Um, during those shoulder seasons, they might be able to go between 3 to 30 miles on the park road. But other than that, it's mostly restricted to buses. Yeah, and there are three uh, tour shuttle options that go down the park road anywhere from four and a half to 12 hours round trip. Uh, and then there's also the camper bus that you can take all the way down uh, to... Only if you're camping. Yeah, only if you're camping. And then around the entrance area, there's the Riley Creek, uh, well, and a little bit into the first couple miles, there's the Riley Creek loop bus, and that is free around the entrance. So, um, you know, there are several different itineraries for planning your time and how to get around uh, because it is very complicated. And those are, you know, I'd recommend checking those out on the Denali NPS website. They say, you know, if you have one day, three days, etc. So really where you're staying, though, determines how you get there. So uh, step number one, decide how long you're staying at Denali. Step number two, start reserving where you're sleeping and step number three uh, nail down the logistics yeah and how I to think get there that's a solid plan uh so to give you an example of an itinerary our trip which uh happened in july of 2016 we spent five days in the park we spent two nights camping at wonder lake campground and we spent two nights camping outside the park um we booked the camper shuttle to be able to access deep into the park and different trailheads. We found a a couple of really cool trails. We hiked the Thoroughfare Ridge Trail near Isleson Visitor Center, and we hiked the Mount Healy Overlook Trail near the entrance. Yeah, and we even, you know, the the camper shuttle was really nice because it took us all the way through the park, and that's, of course, uh, a really long drive. It takes about seven hours or six hours to get back. Yeah, you get to see all the wildlife along the way. Even if you're not on a narrated tour bus, the bus driver stops and you know people take pictures out the windows and stuff. When you see you know a grizzly bear across the um, creek or something, and then we actually got all the way. We took it even farther back to Kantishna one um, day. We you know spent a. You can just kind of hop on and off the bus. Is the point. Um, and do a few trails. We didn't hike, you know, that really that much. We just kind of enjoyed the wilderness because really once you're there, you feel like the whole thing is a trail. You feel like you're immersed in the wilderness already, uh, which was really cool. It was a really unique park. Definitely, definitely. Um, So as far as other activities to do, what are the must-sees? So if, you're, if you've never been to Denali before, what would you say are the things you absolutely have to see? 
Yeah, uh, well, number one might be obvious, but Denali, the mountain. <laughs> Uh, and it's not a foregone conclusion that if you go to the park, you're going to see it. Uh, Only about 30% of visitors actually see Denali. Yeah, that blows my mind. Um, and we, it took us till, we said that we were there five days, it took us till day four when we were leaving the park, um, leaving Wonder Lake after camping there, the last day we woke up bright and early in the morning um, and I was actually getting out of the tent to pee. And at like 4 a.m.? Yeah, at 4 a.m. It was already pretty bright. S- sun the sun was, was rising. <laughs> and I just looked over, and it, was, it had been so cloudy. You know, the whole mountain range had been cloaked in clouds the whole couple days we'd been there. Uh, so we thought we knew where Denali was. We weren't sure. But it was just one of those magical moments where we look over and... Uh, it, it was like what we had been searching for the whole time. And I like got Elizabeth up as quick as possible. And I wanted to like run through the, the camp, uh, telling everybody to get out of their sleeping bags, but I didn't. <laughs> Thankfully the clouds didn't set in until much later. So we would have just been annoying for everybody. <laughs> yeah. But I would say, I would, I would echo that it, do whatever you can to see Denali. So increase your chances. How do you do that? You sleep inside the park. I think deep inside, as deep as you can inside the park, because the buses take so long to reach the best views of Denali, like six, five, four, four to six hours, <laughs> you uh, have a much lower chance because the clouds have usually set in by then. So best thing to do is be able to see it early in the morning. Best way to do that is to sleep deep inside the park. Yeah. And that was our experience the one day we saw it is it was clouded up by, you know, midday. So luckily we had hours in the morning before that. Um, yeah, I would also, I mean, I would say a must-see is to hike. The Denali is unique in that um, there are some front country, like, hikes, tr- actual trails near the entrance. But the rest of the park, you can hike anywhere. You can hike. You can just, there are no trails. You can just walk off the path. <laughs> and walk through the tundra anywhere you want. Um, so definitely do some planning of, of like certain areas. There's definitely some, some guides at, out there that will tell you ideas for where to hike. Um, but that's an interesting thing to do. And then you have to, I would say, you have to ride the bus through the park as deeply as you can given the amount of time you have. Yep. So that's a must see. If possible, get back to Wonder Lake because yeah. it's not exactly like all about that is the destination, but it's about the whole experience of your journey there. I would say at least Isleson would be what I would suggest. Yep. Yep. That was the best view that we, one of the best views we experienced. Yeah, which is a visitor center along the road, uh, w- way into the park, this, the secondary visitor center. So some of your favorites, you guys submitted a whole bunch of experiences from Denali, which is so fun to read, uh, to our Instagram. So you can do that at Switchback Kids. Um, someone said, finally seeing Denali for the first time as we drove back to Anchorage along the highway, which I feel like is probably a lot of people's experience. Um, exploring right outside the park at Nanana River Whitewater Rafting and 49th State Brewery. Uh, seeing the sled dogs, which we didn't even mention that yet. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So much to talk about. 
yeah, doing a ranger-led hike mm-hmm. around, along the Toklet River, wildlife viewing from the bus, spending a few nights at the end of the road biking, and then snowshoeing and doing the dog sled ranger program. Those were some of your favorites. So now getting into some expert secrets, things that we experienced, and also some things that we have researched as secrets of the park. Yeah, the first one being hiking off the trail. We mentioned this one. It's not exactly a secret, but uh, you really want to scout the area on your way uh, out. So this is kind of the secret is take the bus and like figure out where exactly you want to get out. I mean, you could just go in without a destination if you want and kind of see what part looks the coolest to get out on your way back uh, towards the entrance, hop off the bus, uh, and then you know, t- just tell the driver where to let you off, and then do your hike, maybe allow an hour per mile or so. It's deceptively hard to hike uh, without a trail in this ter- tundra-like terrain. Uh, and then when you get back to the road, just wave down the shuttle and you can hop on. Um, number two is Camp Denali. So we you know, definitely didn't get, uh, weren't able to do this lodging in the back of the park, um, a little above our uh, uh, budget limit. But there are one. Uh, there, uh, there are four different luxury lodges. Uh, Eco Lux is the term I ran into. Lodges near Wonder Lake. One of them's Camp Denali. It just looked super cool. Um, backpacking permits. If you plan to backpack, one trick. Uh, one trick with backpacking permits is if your um, dream units are full up uh, because they only allow so many people in like specific units, you have to reserve a spot for that unit of the park. Uh, If yours are full, because the most popular ones fill quickly, um, you can always hike through the unit, um, camp in adjacent units, and even one ranger I saw recommended he liked to just hike all night uh, through the unit and just get that really um, mysterious... um, it, just twilight time, you know, that goes on for hours in the evening, uh, in the summer. So yeah, those are a few secrets. And, um, another thing you can do is, uh, one way hiking when, by using the free shuttles around Denali entrance. And, oh, this is one we particularly yeah. used getting bear spray at the Wilderness Access Center. Yeah, our bear spray was confiscated on the on our flight at one of our earlier, like the, the previously visited parks. And we didn't want to be in Denali without bear spray, like camping back in the back so or and hiking. We just went to the Wilderness Access Center and explained it. And they said, oh, here we have a huge bucket of, you can just borrow this bear spray uh, from people that fly in for the park, buy bear spray, and then don't want to, you can't get back on the plane with it. So they just leave it there. Yeah. So, so we're really glad we asked about it. Yeah, definitely check that out. You and can then, also, you, you can know, eat, pay it forward, return it for next time. Another secret, you can eat the blueberries. The <laughs> National parks don't usually encourage consuming the products, uh, but at Denali, you are very encouraged to eat the blueberries. And I think we ate like 
hundreds and hundreds every day. Yeah. They were so good. We were fighting the bears for them. Uh, finally, a, a few budgeting tips that we lumped into secrets. Um, Denali was actually our cheapest park. In Alaska. In Alaska. Yeah, thank you. Uh, besides food and gas, it cost us $100 um, because we were... You know, we didn't have to travel there. It was only $16 for two nights at Wonder Lake. It was $34 for the two camper shuttles. So it can be, you know, pretty affordable compared to the other Alaska parks. Yeah, that's if you make certain there. if you make certain choices. So you can, it can be very expensive or it can be very affordable. Uh, so you just have to strike that balance of where, where you want your trip to be. Um, a few ways to save money are to do the free ranger programs instead of guided tours, which is just our personal preference. Um, with the buses, that would mean do the transit buses, which are not narrated over the narrated buses, which is a difference of over a hundred dollars per person. Yeah. Maybe just get a nice, uh, national parks podcast like this one to give you a tour along the way or buy a book Yeah, buy with a book. better information. <laughs> <laughs> uh, get a brochure from the, the visitor center, all kinds of options if yeah. you want info. Okay. So information for families. Denali is super fr- family friendly. There's lots to do, lots of wildlife to look at. Uh, one of the fun things is the sled dogs. So the rangers put on a sled dog demonstration with the, the dogs that were there. When we went, there were puppies that were just born, but we did not get to see them because they were still in like kind of isolation with their with their moms um still they were a little too young but they had a webcam (laughs) anyway the sled dogs are a very exciting part of Denali and they do a lot for the park too yeah they I remember how they always said you know we keep sled dogs around not just for demonstration we actually use them in the winter because they're so much more reliable than any other mechanized form of transportation we've developed you know they don't break down like a snowmobile <laughs> right the uh, savage river river loop trail is a great trail for families it's 2 miles it's flat i think that's where we saw moose mhm right yeah yeah And then also make sure when you're, so this is another family-friendly tip. Um, We talked about it a little bit. Really try to time it right to see Denali. That means looking at weather forecasts, uh, gleaning everything you can from the ranger's expertise, getting there, you know, orienting your day to go in the more early morning. Uh, And then also use the visitor center webcams of Denali because... One thing I didn't realize is that when you're around the entrance area where everybody will start at least and some people will stay, you can't see Denali from, you know, right at the entrance center. You have to get at least a few miles even to have, you know, a lane to see Denali all the way in the distance. Um, And then as you go along the park road, you, you still have some blocked views. So you really have to, um, Time it right to see Denali, and you know, we know that's you know it, that can be really important. Having a kid now ourselves, timing is everything, and you really have to plan out schedules way more than ever before. So, <laughs> um, 
and then the last family uh, friendly tip is has to do with dinosaurs because what family doesn't love dinosaurs? Um, Along the park road, there is a spot you can hike to called the dance floor, and it's a spot full of dinosaur tracks, and you get off the bus at mile 37, and you hike up Tatler Creek, and you look for prints on a rock outcrop uh, along the way. I might not recommend this for super young families because I personally you know, wasn't able to find exactly how far it is or where it is, but maybe it's a fun adventure if you had, you know, you can <laughs> go, go do a search and find. Um, if you can't find it on the internet, <laughs> do it in real life. There you go. Uh, so in addition to family adventures, there are also some big big, big adventures you can do at Denali. Yeah. So do you want to get into a couple of those? Yeah, yeah. I, I always research these, so I'll take these. Um, first of all, I was looking for a good backpacking trip, and I found this one from backpacker.com. Um, there's a six-day trip uh, that you can do on the Tolkat River, and they say it's you know, just a huge way to see the park's big game. It's wide open, and you you could see wolves hunting snowshoe hares, caribou, uh, your grizzlies, and you know of course the views of McKinley are uh, sorry not McKinley Denali are amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, you can I'd recommend searching just uh, backpacking along the, the I said Tolkat it's Toklat River. Um, and yeah, you you can do however long you want along the river, but it could be anywhere from six miles to over you know two days uh, to you know, like twenty miles or or thirty miles over six days. Um, yeah, what's next? Well, the next one, which you researched, <laughs> is whitewater rafting on the Nanana River, right? So. There are is there are there more than one outfitter or there's there's, yeah, there's just one outfitter. Mm-hmm. So look look through, do a little research ahead of time. This particular route is twelve mi- miles over two hours, including class three and four rapids, and they you need to have a dry suit with you. Yeah, so uh, if you don't want to do all the hiking, if you're tired out from that, uh, you can wear yourself out on the river. And the last one, the which, biggest one, which I mostly included for fun because, uh, you know, it's you, you're not going to be planning a trip uh, to Summit Denali based on this podcast, but um, it's just captures your imagination. At least it does for me. So summiting Denali is will take you up twenty thousand three hundred twenty feet. It is 17,000 feet of vertical rise, which is actually higher than the climb you would need to do for Everest um, because you start out so much higher when you're climbing Everest. 1,200 climbers attempt it each year, and 90% do that from one route, uh, from the which is called the West Buttress Route. So it's a pretty familiar, well uh, tackled route, and however, only fifty percent succeed. 
because of various factors, you know, weather, um, just being out out there too long, you know, exposure. So definitely not for the faint of heart. And the climbers usually fly in from Talkeetna uh, to Kahiltna Glacier, which is at 7,800 feet. And from there, you start the climb. You pull your plastic sleds up the mountain, uh, and it, the, <laughs> the temperatures can get up to negative 50 or down to negative 50. Um, and it takes about 17 to 21 days That's to climb this mountain. a long time to be cold. Yep. Not to mention the $6,500 to $8,000 for a guided tour, which, of course, we highly, highly recommend uh, going with the professionals. Uh, How in, does this unless, rank among the seven peaks? I think it's number... It's got to be one of the harder ones. Yeah, I think it's second to Denali when we're talking the second... Everest? seven. Sorry, <laughs> to Everest when we're talking the seven highest uh, points of each continent. Um, but yeah, it, it, really though, it's serious. Of course, you know, we're not advocating people go do this, but it's just fun to, to learn about because a hundred climbers have died. Uh, over yeah. The, and if you're more, if you're interested in, in learning more, the Eielson Visitor Center is all about climbing. Yeah. So yeah. we've got a lot of really cool information. Make sure you budget enough time to actually stop in the, that visitor center. Yeah. Good call. So that's our big adventure, our biggest adventure we've hit yet, probably. Yeah, in, in these podcasts that we've we've only talked about and not done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so getting into the Q and A section, you guys asked a lot of questions about Denali, and I think that speaks to the level of difficulty <laughs> that is involved in visiting this park. So first things first, someone asked, "What's the best time of the or what's the time of the year with the best chance of seeing her?" as in seeing Denali. So we talked, we touched briefly on this, but shoulder seasons, I think in my non-scientific uh, experience would be probably the best. We visited in July and got pretty lucky um, as being one of the 30% to see Denali. But again, I think that's more due to the time of day than the time of year. So Best time of year, probably the late summer, early summer. It's the rainiest in July, so it kind of tapers off from there in either direction. Yeah, I mean, if you can brave the cold, that's going to be the best chance to see it through the, the clear winter air, but um, that would not be our pick. Yeah, you got to balance it with everything else, with accessibility and, and whatnot. Okay, question two. How does one get there safely without snow experience? So if you're not visiting, if you're visiting in the summer, you do not need, there's no, you know, it's, Alaska is a lot, and the interior of Alaska is pretty warm and dry, relatively. Um, so it does not require any, any special equipment. Um, of course, like we talked about, summiting Denali <laughs> requires a lot of experience and a lot of climbing gear. Okay, question three, the best campground that's not as far as Wonder Lake. So for reference, uh, Wonder Lake is at mile 85 of the park road. It takes about um, 
12, uh, no, not 12 hours. About six hours. Yeah, six hours so. one way to get there. Um, but there are other options that are uh, with that you use the bus to get there, but they're not quite as far. So Igloo Creek is an option at mile 35. Uh, Teklanika, which is where we were supposed to stay, actually, for a couple nights, uh, but then... The, they had a, too much bear activity. So do you remember our yeah. sites were canceled? Mm-hmm. At mile 29 and Sanctuary River at mile 22. Those are the part, those are the three other options that are semi-deep in the park, but not, not nearly as far as Wonder Lake. Yeah. And just for an extra bonus, if you have an RV you can go to Savage River, which is at mile 14, or Riley Creek, which is the very first campground, at mile 0.25. Lots of options. Also, back backpacking is an option, too. If you really want to get away from the crowds and camp, plan out a backpacking trip. Next question. When camping in Alaska and very remote places, are supplies and food more expensive? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Simply, yes. It's expensive everywhere in Alaska compared to the lower 48. Um, So still, though, stock up in Anchorage. It's a big city, so prices aren't near as high as you'll find. Or Fairbanks, I guess, wherever you're coming from. A big city if if you're flying in. Uh, it's always a good idea to get some groceries and some basic supplies uh, because in those remote towns, smaller towns, it is a lot more expensive. But, you know, if you're running low on food, you can always fill up on blueberries. <laughs> there you go. So next question, what is a reasonable budget for a trip to Denali? How do you make traveling to Alaska <clears throat> affordable? So we have talked a lot about this because it is... One of the things, first of all, we struggled with most in visiting all the parks in Alaska was how expensive it was. We you know, wrote a whole ebook to address it. Um, so if you're interested, check that out on switchbackkids.com. But first of all, of course, you got to budget your trip and sleeping. Yeah, we've mentioned previously a bit ago, Denali is actually fairly relatively inexpensive. It can be really cheap or really expensive. Yeah. So sleeping, you know, if you camp, it's 12 to $27 a night inside the park. Um, but lodging would be very expensive. On the other hand, activities, you know, you have your free ranger programs, your free hiking, your transit bus for 30 to $40 versus your more expensive adventures like narrated tour river rafting, zip lining, etc. And then, of course, eating. Even though groceries are expensive, they're going to be a lot better options than your uh, restaurants because you don't really have too many budget restaurants in a place like Denali. It's like you know a resort feel for restaurants and, and accommodations. Yeah, I think there are some activities in the park that are like a real bang for your buck. So you'd really just have to balance like our, the fact that we were able to book campsites at Wonder Lake and the camper shuttle, those two activities that those two things we paid for basically opened the door to like endless activities for us where, where we were riding the bus back and forth and 
doing hikes and, and seeing Wonder Lake and hanging out at the campground. So just look and see what's worth it to spend money on and what you could skip. Yeah, and as we always say, to be able to go on a budget, you have to plan ahead. Uh, so you're not going to be able to get the cheapest uh, options if you're doing everything last minute. When we were planning and reserving things like the Wonderlight Campground, we were doing that three to six months in advance. So make sure you're planning. A couple of specific things that we used that were very helpful uh, before visiting Alaska, and, and this is like general all of Alaska, not just specific to Denali, um, but we got an Alaskan Airlines credit card, which is really good if you are not traveling alone, because um, you can use their companion pass, plus some bonus miles to get some flights. Um, we also bought the Alaska Tour Saver coupon book, which is not totally something we would normally do, um, but look through ahead of time. You can look and see exactly all the offers that they have. And it can save you a lot of money at different national parks. Yeah. And of course, bringing your own gear is going to save you a lot of money uh, versus renting it, which is possible when you get there. We know a lot of people are going to be flying to Alaska from the lower 48. So it's a pain to bring all of your camping stuff. But if you can, it's, you know, makes it a lot cheaper and easier. And you're just familiar with your stuff. So, um, we recommend that. Why why not use what you have if you can? Yeah, and then the, the question of camping versus lodging is also always at the top of your mind, but we've talked about that plenty. So look and see, look at your options, know that it can be really cheap, it can be really expensive, or you can settle somewhere nicely in between. Yeah, good questions again. Uh, we know everybody is always wanting to know about Denali and the Alaska parks. That's why we've written so much about them and the planning for them specifically on our blog. So let's end with our something to think about section. And this something to think about I got directly from an article a few weeks ago in the Anchorage Daily News. And apparently Denali National Park and Preserve plans to expand winter and off-season access to accommodate what uh, park officials are saying is rising numbers from people who want to visit in the winter. Uh, Specifically, the visitation in winter has gone up 400% in recent years. So it's, you know, although winter visitations only is a small fraction, like 2% of the park's annual visitors, it's going up and that's causing them to make uh, plan some changes over the next couple of years, including more skiing access, dog mushing, uh, guiding opportunities, more roadside parking, vehicle access deeper into the park from mid-September to May, actually you know, going deeper, uh, nine miles deeper into the park between mid-February and mid-April. Um, so there's a lot that they're proposing to increase access. And right now, the park is actually putting 
all this plan out for public comment. Uh, they did an environmental assessment on you know what the impact would be of these changes, and they you know found there was no significant impact. But they still want to take the public's um, you know views and opinions into account uh, because these parks are owned by all of us. And this you know the something to think about here is just a common question of the parks is how much how do you balance visitation and enjoyment of people versus the protection of the environment and of the natural resources that is a you know balance that is articulated in the park's mission itself because both pieces are there so this is a great example of the NPS constantly trying to meet the evolving um, visitation, the evolving you know, interests of the citizens, and at the same time you know, protect a changing environment. So it was just you know, interesting to read about all they're doing there. And you know, I think... I have a lot of trust in the National Park Service. I think they're pretty good at their job. I'm glad they did the environmental impact study and are also taking public comments. Um, yeah, in general, I think they go about drawing that balance the right way. So that is our something to think about. And we want to thank you all for joining us as we revisited the U.S.'s 12th National Park Denali. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love to hear from you on our website, switchbackkids.com, or on our social media at switchbackkids. Yeah, tell us what you liked and what you want more of. Send us your questions for future parks. Next week, we'll be heading back to the mainland for one of our very favorite national parks, Acadia. Until then, switchbacks out. out.